G'day guys, and welcome to another episode of Glory Days. This one centres around one of Australia's oldest football clubs. Yakandanda is a picturesque town in northeast Victoria, and this story is all about how the Yakandanda Kangaroos broke their four-decade premiership drought. Before we get into it, a big thanks to our episode sponsors, Gilly Steel Supplies, Camper Trailers Aubrey Wodonga, Sheds and Homes Aubrey Wodonga, DJ's Maintenance and Mowing, and Yakandanda Pass Players. Thanks for making this episode possible. Okay, let it rip, Robbie. Two premierships in the last 72 years was not a great return for such a strong and vibrant club. The last decade had produced four losing preliminary finals and the club could not go that next step. Off the field, Yak had it sorted. Social life was great, in fact, probably too great. So Chuck Headley, in his second year as coach, added a few hard nuts to the list, got some locals back, made some big changes around fitness and took Yak and Dander to a new level. Sit back and enjoy. Yakety Yak, what a comeback. The Akandanda area was settled in 1837 with the first recorded game of Australian football played in 1884 when an Albury team defeated the locals six goals four to one goal five. The Akandanda Football Club is one of the oldest football clubs in Australia. Despite the club's longevity and the sport thriving, premiership success by the end of the 20th century was minimal. In the first 116 years, with just three premierships being celebrated, 1928, 29 and 1964. The 1999 season was completed with the club's fourth preliminary final loss in the last six years. Its last grand final appearance was in 1977 with just 11 finals appearances since the 1964 Premiership victory. 1999 coach Ross Chuck Headley was reappointed for 2000 after an excellent debut season where he took out the George Barton medal for the Tullangran District Football League's best and fairest player. They also had a century goal kicker from the same season with veteran Ross Hillary booting 100 goals, a feat he also achieved in 1997. Headley explains they were close and made progress but needed a harder edge. I just thought we just, we needed a little bit of hardness, um, and the place, the blokes I, I sort of went after, we were lucky enough to appoint uh, Rat Smith pretty early in the piece as our um, assistant coach, and he, he uh, had ties with the Raiders, and obviously I did. Yep. And we picked uh, a bloke by the name of Matt Hay, who uh, was a hard hard nosed bloke, and um, we picked up. Uh, Apple Hughes, who um, was very good at shutting down the opposition's best players, so we and that that really hurt us, you know, against the good sides. You know, I think Dedering had Page, Kewal had Macri, folks like that. That you, could, you know, we had trouble shutting down. So yep. Apple was pretty important was that we could put him on the the best player. You know, we thought we could put him on the best players and uh, not have to worry about them, you know, cutting us up too much. So we, we went after. Bloke like him, and a bloke by the name of Sammy Selwood, who were, were, were lucky he was stating one of the Dryden girls out at Yak and Dan, so he was um, he was pretty easy to get. So um, he he had a little bit of class, and he had a little bit of mongrel about him. But I think the most important recruit we got was um, Andrew Nichols from the Raiders. Nico had a lot of uh, a lot of experience, uh, played in a lot of finals, and he really gives that real hard edge. 
that uh, I think uh, Yak and Dan needed. And um, yeah, so Nico was probably one of our most important important recruits. The good thing about the recruits we got through them, on, and, and Sean Barker too, another hard-nosed bloke from the Raiders who'd um, blokes like Nico, Bear, Sean Barker, Matty Hay, Rat Smith, they'd already been played at Yak and Dander, so they, they fitted in really well into the environment that we'd sort of built, built on the year before. Top up they did with five quality former local players returning, Dale Smith and Andrew Nichols in assistant coach roles to Headley, defender Sean Barker, along with utilities Justin Hansford and Sam Selwood. Tall Colcan defender Scott Fraser was picked up late in pre-season. It would be the start of a wonderful career for Fraser at Yakandanda, going on to be the game's record holder at the club and a life member. Mate, uh, I did a pre-season in 99 at Raiders and Dale Smith, Dale Smith was the coach of the reserves and uh, I had decided I was going to stay at Colcan because my brother was still there and then uh, in February of that year of 2000, I was out in the garden and uh, a housemate yelled out, Dale Smith's on the phone. And I thought he was ringing me to go to Raiders. And I thought, right, I'm going. I was going to give Ovens and Murray a go. And, and uh, yeah, but anyway, picked up the phone and Rat said, uh, I'm going out to Yak. Do you want to come out and see what it's like? So I did on the Thursday night in Rat's old bombed out FJ Holden. And uh, the rest is history. I saw him that night. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was a really good, fun one night of training that just I made up my mind there and then that, that Yak was the club that I wanted to wanted to go and play for. To complete a highly active recruiting campaign, Affle Hughes, Damien Cassidy and Steve McKenna joined the Kangaroos with their close ties to Headley. Greg Newbold was again seconds coach with Adrian Wapling coaching the thirds and Graham Matheson the fourths. John Dale was president for his fifth year. The year 2000 was a much-anticipated one in Australian sport, with Sydney set to host the Olympic Games in September. This forced change to most sporting organisations, with the Tulangana Football League scheduling the grand final for the last Saturday in August, finishing a week before the Olympics commenced. On a sad note, the league lost one of its most respected and loved characters, with former league president and life member Laurie Forrest passing away in January. All clubs observed a minute silence prior to round one matches. All was in readiness for the season opener on April Fool's Day at Butson Park, with the highlight being the opening of the new netball club rooms as the mountain men and women of Mitter made their way to Yakandanda. In a cracking contest, Yakandanda overcame a 20-point deficit at the final change to power home with a nine-gold final term to win by 17 points. After having kicked 9-15 in the first three quarters, the Roos, led by Marcus Dowling, Justin Hansford and Matt Hay, booted nine goals two to win a 35-gold shootout in extremely warm conditions. Round two was a trip to Martin Park, Wodonga, the new home base for Bethanga. It was a percentage-boosting day for the Roos, with Ross Hillary's 12 goals setting up a 133-point victory. Adrian Wapling, Matt Nixon and Damien Cassidy were all prominent. Yakandanda made it three in a row to start the season with another comfortable win in a high-scoring encounter at home against last year's Premier's Delarang Mount Beauty. 
After trailing by 11 points at quarter time, Yakandanda turned on the power to boot 22 goals in the final three quarters, with Ross Hillary bagging eight goals and Kurt Schubert five. Paul Walk, Andrew Nichols, and Dale Smith were others to star. This left three teams, Barnawatha, Talangata, and Yakandanda, all unbeaten ahead of the Easter bye. Hillary took his total to 23 goals and was on target for his third century of goals in four years. Captain Simon Corr was a massive fan of Ross Hillary. Ross Hillary is an absolute legend of a footballer. Uh, that's probably the, the best word to describe him. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be coached by Ross Hillary and, um, and he actually taught me so much about football and myself and so many other players. We grew a lot under Roscoe. Uh, to play with someone like Ross, he was just immensely blessed with talent, but he was hard and tough as well. I reckon he was over 40 when he kicked 100 goals in a home and away season in the Talangan League, and that's back in an era where he'd be having two or three players on him, punching him in the back of the head week out. He was a phenomenal kick for goal, but what made Ross a, a real champion, he was just so charismatic and he was fun to be around. So, uh, yes, there were so many great players, you know, in that year, and I, I love them all to death, but I've got a pretty special place in my heart for Ross Hillary. He's an absolute beauty. Round four was another home game with old rivals Kiwa Sandy Creek making the short trek to Butson Park with its spot in the top five on the line on another unseasonal warm autumn day. In a cracking contest, the visitors were on the verge of an upset win when they led it three-quarter time before Yakandanda again came from behind to win in the end by 28 points. Local boys Simon Corr, Matt Nixon and Troy Megson were in great touch while up forward, Ross Hillary bagged five goals. Scott Fraser and Athel Hughes led the defensive effort as Yak added six goals to one in the final term. This set up a titanic round five clash at Barnawatha with both sides unbeaten and in what many pundits deemed a potential grand final preview. Barney played superbly to take the outright ladder leadership and premiership favouritism with a 33 point victory that was set up by a 10 goal to four first half. The Tigers' defence did a superb job, keeping the dangerous Ross Hillary to just two goals. Roos captain Simon Corr was best with good support from Athel Hughes and Dale Smith. The seconds also suffered its first loss of the season on a day the Roos were given a reminder that they still had work to do as they dropped to fourth place on the ladder. Round six was a massive one with the top four sides pitted against each other. Yakandanda at home to Talangata, while Mitter played host to Barnawatha. The Roos were in a savage mood after its loss the previous week and slammed on eight goals in a stunning first quarter to open up a 42-point lead. Talangata left its run too late and despite a five goals to one final term, they lost by 13 points. Kevin Pretty made his senior debut and kicked a goal after playing three quarters in the thirds earlier in the day. Scott Fraser played his best game since joining the club while the experienced trio of Andrew Nichols, Ross Headley and Ross Hillary set the wheels in motion at the start of the game. Affle Mumble Hughes continued his good form on and off the field. Mitter went to the top of the ladder when they inflicted the Tigers' first loss of the season, leaving the top three teams, Mitter, Barney and Yak, all on five wins and one loss. To complete games against all other sides, Yakandanda easily accounted for bottom place Thaguna at Thaguna, winning by 117 points. Ross Headley capped off a best on ground performance with five goals. Ross Hillary kicked four, Simon Corr three, and even defenders Scotty Fraser and Athel Hughes got amongst the goal kickers list. 
as the Ruse stayed second on the ladder, just percentage behind leaders Barnawatha. Next up, a return bout against Mitter, with third place on the line on a cold day at Estale, with the locals in a filthy mood after being thrashed the week before by old rivals Talangada. The mountain men bounced back in typical fashion, overturning a half-time deficit to kick six of the last seven goals and win by 32 points. Dave McKenzie, Troy Megson and Simon Corr were the best in a below-par performance that coach Chuck Headley said forced some big changes and mindset. We're, we're bubbling along pretty well until the Barney game and we knew Barney had improved a fair bit you know, under the coaching of... Um, you know, Richard Bent, and we, we thought, you know, we thought we'd travel and okay. Obviously, yeah, as you said, we'd, we're pretty fit. We're um, injury-free and uh, we're going all right. And then went down to Barney and on their big, hard ground, they um, they just ran us off our feet. So we were, they were well well drilled. Uh, they structured up well and, um, yeah, they, they give us a little bit of a lesson. I think the next week we uh, we headed up to Mida and they... They beat us quite convincingly, you know, ten plus goals, and then that—that's when we thought, well, well, obviously we're not the best side in the competition. We need to change a few things, and um, so what we introduced as the coaching group, what we introduced then was a, a Monday night training, an extra training session, and, and that was sort of something that was um, against the grain, I suppose, of um, the Tullangatta League. You know, to, to have a Monday, you know, Monday night session, and we thought, oh, well, well, we'll put it to the players, and they they were all of the opinion that, well, let's let's uh, leave no stone unturned to um, to improve ourselves. So, to the boys' credit, they um, they turned up on the Monday night. At uh, we trained in Wodonga on the Monday night because a lot of the boys were from lived in Wodonga, so we made it easier for them so they didn't have to travel out the yak. Uh, on the Monday night, so we met at the leisure centre there in Wodonga. They had the option whether they um, they go for a run with me or or go for a swim in the pool for an hour or an hour and a bit with um, with Rack with Dale Smith. And um, so we'd split up in half, and field would go for a run. Then we'd we'd meet after training, and then we'd wander down to the Berylee Hotel there and have a few few drinks and. Um, you know, watch a few greyhound races and, and maybe have a feed and, and things like that. And then on the Tuesday night, instead of running four spots out, we'll roll the train pretty hard. Yeah. Um, because we'd already done the recovery session and then Thursday nights were just short and sharp. And um, I think from there on in, we didn't lose another game. So I don't know if it was good management or coincidence, but uh, that extra session in, you know, having the recovery session, it, it, it really um, held us in good stead. And you know, right through the year, it showed that we'd be behind at certain times late in, the, in games and we'd run over the top of teams. So, um, and we just gathered momentum and it, it really brought the, the boys uh, closer together. Next up was a home clash against Bafanga. That was in reality playing second fiddle to the inaugural Yakandanda Yabby races being held that evening. For the record, the footballers won by a comfortable margin of 132 points, with Chuck Headley kicking six goals as Steve McKenna, Sam Selwood and Justin Hansford dominated. Scotty Fraser, he was the Yabby race coordinator. Uh, I just told him the idea and yeah, we grabbed a couple of dozen Yabbies from uh, from Blueys uh, on the way out to the game against, I think it was with a, a thing or what. 
that year and coloured them a little bit differently and then everyone bid on the Abbeys and uh, yeah, half went to the club and half went to the winner. It was a, it was a pretty good night. But un- un- unfortunately for the Abbeys, they ended up a feed uh, later that night at the club, or at club rooms. Round 10 was a trip to Detarang without star forward Ross Hillary to take on last year's premiers who were just one game out of the top five and starting to find form. The game was one of the best witnessed at Detarang for some time with momentum and lead changes throughout. Yakandanda made a great start, kicking seven goals to take a four-goal lead into the first change. Detarang Mount Beauty fought back and took the lead at three-quarter time and increased it to 16 points with just three minutes remaining before goals to Simon Kaur and Chuck Headley got the margin back to four points with seconds remaining in the game. Bombers supporters, sensing a huge upset, groaned as screw skipper Simon Kaur marked 50 metres out. They groaned again as the Yak skipper landed the long-range gold as the siren sounded seconds later, with Yak and Danda two points in front. Kaur said he wasn't the most popular figure in Detarang after his gold and celebration. We found ourselves staring down the, the barrel at a defeat. I think we're about 17 or 18 points down with about four or five minutes to go. And I found myself sneaking forward. I actually kicked three uh, in the space of about four minutes. The last of my goals was as close as I'll ever get to kicking a goal after the siren to steal the game. That had probably about, I don't know, a minute to go and I was about 40 metres out, slotted it through and then went into a celebration as, you know, I used to love to do. I ran over to the Detarang crowd and I bowed and then I even maybe snuck in a little curtsy and I high-fived everyone on the boundary line. And, uh, of course, the Yak people loved it, but as the game was over, we shook hands and I walked off. You know, Detarang had got the most magnificent uh, change rooms there with a balcony and um, I could feel, well, I'm not 100% sure that it was raining, but let's just say it was spitting on that occasion anyway. So the Jetterang fans weren't a big fan of me on that occasion. The pulsating finish put all and sundry in a great frame of mind, ahead of the mystery bus tour that was another well-attended social function that played a huge part of the season, as Chuck Headley explained. When I got there, those sorts, those, the boys had been there together for a long time already and hadn't, hadn't had much success. So they were, they were pretty close already and with the influx of those three or four that had already been to Yak and come back and um, and blokes like Scotty Fraser who's very sociable anyway and Apple Hughes are very social and fit in any in, in any environment. Like we, we'd train hard and play hard on, you know, on the footy field but on a Saturday night no one would go home. We'd be all we'd all go, you know, stay, stay around and have a drink after the game, and then we'd head up to the bottom pub there at Yak and Danda, and with with the wives and the girlfriends and all that, and we would just have some great fun. Now I remember, I remember we had a, a mystery bus tour. They put on one bus, bus of fifty or whatever, and they had to put on two more buses to go on a mystery bus tour. So, you know, our, our functions were fantastic. Even though we're going well off on the field, we're going pretty well off it too, I thought, and it just built up a, a great bond, you know. We're, we're all mates. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, it, it, we've really set, it, set ourselves up on and off the field to, you know, what happened uh, on grand final day. Round 11 and a home game against fifth place Kiwa Sandy Creek with the return from injury of Hillary. Six goals he kicked being the major difference as the Roos consolidated third position with a 42-point victory. Scott Fraser was outstanding at centre-half back, marking everything in his area, 
Dave McKenzie racked up close to 40 possessions, while Affle Hughes and Matty Hay relished the heavy going. So with six rounds remaining, the ladder had a fascinating look to it, with the top three teams, Barnawafa, Mitter and Yakandanda, all level with nine wins, making the game at Yakandanda against Barnawafa a huge contest. Barney were coming off a loss to Talangata and Yak were hell-bent on overturning the result of the first round where Barney at home had ran Yak off its feet. The Tigers came to play, winning each of the first three quarters to set up a 24-point lead at the last change. In one of the Roos' best quarters for the year, they added six goals seven, with Adrian Wapling booting three of his four goals in that quarter. Chuck Headley was superb in the middle, while Dale Smith made a welcome return from injury with three goals. Sam Selwood, Mason Taylor and Matt Hay were again outstanding in the narrow six-point victory. Yakandanda made a mockery of the expected danger game away to Talangata by thumping the fellow Premiership contender by 50 points to take up top position on the ladder. Kurt Schubert returned to his best form with a quality display in the ruck, while Sean Barker, Simon Corr, Dave McKenzie and Andrew Nichols revelled in the heavy going. In a low-scoring game, Ross Hillary and Dale Smith booted five valuable goals between them. The Roos were back at home on a heavy track at Butson Park against the in-form Detarang Mount Beauty, who after losing its first four games in its premiership defence, had entered the top five for the first time in the season. It turned out to be mission impossible for the Bombers as Dave McKenzie, Mason and Matt Taylor sparked the ladder leaders in a solid four-quarter performance that was highlighted by a magnificent defensive effort led by Scott Fraser and Andrew Nichols, keeping the Bombers to just four goals. McKenzie and the Taylor boys were to team up again in grand final celebrations, as McKenzie explains. It all started at the pub. We were chatting about it, coming halfway in the conversation, said, put me down for it. Never thought anything about it. Anyway, on the Wednesday, I'd come home, seen the wife, and uh, I was just ready for bed. I was just absolutely buggered. Anyway, it was a knock at the door. It was Mason Taylor with his brother, Matty, and young Sprowley. Anyway, he goes, Mac, are you ready to go? And I'm going, what for? He goes, come on, we've got to do that thing we were talking about at the pub. I'm going, oh, okay, right, no problem. And he's got us in the garage. He's wearing Chuck's number and the camera's on him, and I'm standing there in the corner and he's punched me in the chest like Chuck would do all the time. And there was just that echo in the chest when he punched me. So anyway, so he's given us a big spiel before the game and we've gone, righto, this is what we've got to do. This is how we're going to do it. Da-da-da-da-da, as Chuck used to say, but he'd be screaming and frothing and spitting all over you. So we're heading down the, down the highway, down to Barney. We pulled up and we've had the... Um, Mason goes, here you go, here's the spray bottle. I'm going, okay, right, eh? so I'm going to be the, the bad one, but that's all right. So I picked it up, jumped over a culvert, and next thing you know, I'm ass over in the mud straight away. So Sprowley grabbed the, the jerry can. Anyway, so we jumped the fence, truck's gone. Mason, being the hero that he was, now, as I must say, he's now a preacher, minister. He was pumping the uh, spray, and I was spraying it. So I've written Yak 2000 on the wing. Sprowley got the jerry can and put ruse on the cricket pitch. Didn't think anything of it, because I didn't know there was a cricket pitch there. He lit it up though. Next minute you know, it lights up the, it lights up the whole ground. It was like the MCG of the bush. It was lights going on, dogs barking, people coming out and yelling and screaming. And we're, at this stage, we're giggling and carrying on. 
We've darted across to the wing, we've jumped the fence again back in the mud. We've taken off to the car and as we've taken off, Matt just floored it. Now we were going at least 120 k's an hour down a dirt track. We had the, the, uh, the theme song of uh, Mission Impossible going and uh, that was the story really. And then we swore to each other we'd never talk about it. We'd never come to our presentation. It was the talk of the whole night. That's all we did. Butch Dale rings me up pre-season. He goes, Macca, what have you done to the ground? What do you mean? He goes, what'd you do to Barney? I've gone, oh, that? I said, that was you know, ages ago. He goes, yeah, but everyone's ringing me up and find, trying to find out who did it and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm going, ah, don't worry about it, Butch. Anyway, Barney had won that year, the year after. Anyway, so Butch rings me up and probably about 11.30 at night and he goes, Macca, I'm down to the ground. You better come out here because I'm getting tired and I need to go to bed. I need you to get out here and look after me. Little did he know, I was out the front of my place guarding my house and my garden, my lawns, thinking they're going to come and haunt for me. Yeah, they didn't say too much about it. I caught up to Hoops. He was the president at that stage. I saw him at a past players and he grabbed me by the neck down the weekend goes, so Macca, tell me the story. And I said, do you want the full story or half the story? He goes, no, tell me the full story. <laughs> Yes, uh, no, it was all good, all good. So that was, that was Matt, I'm not going to tell too many people, but it was Matty Taylor, Mason Taylor, Joel Sproul and myself. The Kangaroos hosted bottom place for Guna next and despite the heavy conditions at Butson Park, the Roos were ruthless, keeping the visitors to a solitary point as Jack kicked 33 goals in the 217-point hammering. Ross Hillary kicked 11, Danny Humphreys 6, and Chuck Headley five, with Daniel Cassidy and Sam Selwood racking up countless possessions in the midfield. The penultimate round of the season was another home game against the Mountain Men of Mitter, who were looking for a win to keep alive its hopes of the minor premiership. In an extraordinary result, Yakandanda, led by a mud-splattered Dave McKenzie, embarrassed the Blues, keeping them to just one point for the entire game, as the Roos won by 83 points on a Butson Park mud heap. Defender Scott Fraser explained how the solitary point was registered for the second week in a row. Yeah, back in the in that day, Yaks ground was pretty uh, a, a bog hole basically, and we we played two home games in a row. And then the next week uh, we rocked up, and it was a bit of a uh, a crunch game. We we're playing Mitter um, again at home at Yak, and I'd had a dream the night before that we won by ten goals, and I told Andy Nichols and. Mason Taylor that before we ran out. Accidentally, again, scored the, the one point for me that it came off my off my fist and uh, went through for a point. But I, uh, I actually told the guys at the Border Mail, I used to work at Edwards Tavern across the road from the Border Mail, so I told the Border Mail boys uh, back in, back at that time that, that Dave McKenzie rushed both points for, for, the, for the opposition both weeks. So they actually wrote an article in the paper the next week that he was getting a bit of shit hung on him. So <laughs> he probably doesn't know that until this goes... <laughs> gets out there, but funny story. Ross Hillary kicked five goals up forward, but it was again the defence of Scott Fraser, Andrew Nichols, Sean Barker and the Taylor brothers who again stood strong. The win, along with Barnawatha's one-point loss to Dedarang Mount Beauty, meant Yakandanda had secured top spot with one round to go. Headley said while the win was great, the ground was not. I, look, I had a fair bit of history before I got the Yak with Mitter. Um, playing in, in grand finals and final series, and, and I know how proud, how proud they are as a club. And um, I think Lawrence Hodgkin was actually coaching them, so uh, 
you know, on the field, me and Lawrence didn't see eye to eye. So, yes, it was satisfying. And, and it's, it's probably the, the mindset of the players. It was a terrible, cold winter's day. You know, the yak ground was bloody, it was a quagmire. And, um, you know, I think I, I, I still remember, I still remember, you know, halfway through the last quarter when we're, you know, what, 14, 15 goals up. Our whole back line, you know, Sean Barker, the Taylor boys, you know, Andrew Nichols, they still had their elbows in the players' guts, making sure that, that we, we didn't let, you know, mid a score. And it was, it was quite satisfying to keep aside who were, who, who, um, probably 10 games previous stitched us up, you know, by 12, 14 goals up at mid up to turn the results around when they had something on the line that they were playing for, mm. you know, the double chance and everything and to keep them to, um, to one point. Uh, unfortunately, it would have been good to be zero, but anyway, uh, to keep, to keep them to one point, uh, yeah, it was, it was very satisfying and it really, it really, um, you know, it really gave us a, a a boost of confidence that if you know a team that's playing for third spot and we can do that to them, you know, get, you know leading into the finals, it really yeah. gave us uh, a hell of a lot of confidence. And and Chuck, um, I believe the the ground was a quagmire on the Saturday in that game. Things didn't get better better the next day. Tell us what happened from there. No, look, yeah, look, the ground was it was, it was a shambles on um, on Saturday, and then overnight we wake up to it's uh, uh, Yak has had uh, two or three inches of snow on the ground, and the, they uh, they they um, they shut the ground down actually. So uh, we had to find we didn't train again on the on the Yak and down the ground till the, the first week at uh, the first uh, till the Thursday night of the grand final which I think was six or seven weeks the main interest in the final away game to Bafanga would be if Ross Hillary in his 100th game for the club could hold on to his four gold lead in the goal kicking award Hillary looked assured of the title when he booted 11 golds to take his season total to 82 however news came through that Mitter spearhead Jamie Swinnerton had kicked 17 golds against Vaguna and in fact finished two golds clear of Hillary. The game also celebrated popular local Troy Megson's 100th senior game for Yakandanda. Another victory was celebrated though to the tune of 111 points and the all-important rest in the first week of finals was locked away with the minor premiership in seniors and second place for the seconds. For the first time ever, Yakandanda took out the Tulangaran District Football League Club Championship Award, just three points ahead of Barnawafa. The club best and fairest count was held on the Sunday, with Dave McKenzie taking out the seniors, with Simon Corr runner-up. In the seconds, it was coach Greg Newbold, with David Mean runner-up. The following evening, the Tulangaran District Football League Barton Medal Count was held at the Commercial Club in Albury with Darren Mathy from Tulangata winning with 26 votes, five ahead of Yakandanda captain Simon Corr. Chuck Headley, who took out the medal in 1999, finished fifth on 15 votes. The seconds medal was won by Kiwa Sandy Creek veteran Cole Andrews, just two votes ahead of Yakandanda coach Greg Newbold. Four Yakandanda players were named in the Tulangaran District Football League Team of the Year. Simon Corr, vice-captain, was picked as Rover. Scott Fraser at halfback, and both Dave McKenzie and Justin Hansford were named on the interchange bench. 
Simon Corr said that Chuck Headley had been terrific for Yak and Dander. Chuck was amazing, and um, fortunately, I'd, I'd known Chuck previously when I was young. Uh, myself and, and Rat Smith, who both played in the Premiership together, we spent a bit of time at the Wodonga Raiders, and Chuck was one of the, the leading players there. So it was great to be able to play with him down the track, but he just introduced a little bit more professionalism. Like, we did a massive pre-season. I think from the finals, about six weeks out, we upped the regime to three nights a week. He was just getting the most out of us. We were recovering better. It was almost a new level of professionalism, not that we hadn't been well coached previously. And it was just, I don't know, we just got rewards. He was able to bond everyone together. I mean, the reserves obviously clearly won that year as well. We really were a united front. Week one of the final series saw a 28-point win to Barnawafa over Mitter in the qualifying final. While in the elimination final, Dettering Mount Beauty kept its premiership defence alive with a 32-point win over Talangada. In the seconds qualifying final, Yakandanda thrashed Talangada by 65 points to set up a second semi-final clash against Barnawafa the following week, the same opponent as the seniors would play. Yak were beaten by one point against Dettering Mount Beauty in the third qualifying final. So all roads led to Sandy Creek for the second semi-final stoush between Yakandanda and Barnawatha, with the winner taking the direct passage into the 2000 to Langdon District Football League Grand Final in a fortnight's time. The game was an absolute beauty as Barnawatha turned around a half-time deficit of 37 points to draw level late in the final term. Yak had earlier dominated the first half, kicking five goals in each of the first and second quarters, with Mason Taylor, Scott Fraser and Andrew Nichols leading a very tight defence. The surprise packet for the Roos was Sam Selwood with four goals. Gordon Anderson lifted Barney with four second half goals, as a draw was looking likely on the cards until the experienced duo of Ross Hillary and Dan Humphreys slotted late goals for Yakinana to win 16-9-105 to Barnawatha 15-6-96. Marcus Dowling had a superb game for the Roos, while Simon Corr was in everything. Humphreys, Hillary and Chuck Headley all finished with three goals. To complete a great day for the club, the seconds beat Barney by 17 points to advance to the grand final and importantly, no injury concerns for both sides. The Yak Thirds went down to Barney in the first semi-final to be eliminated. Dittering Mount Beauty stayed in the premiership race, defeating Mitter by 26 points in a fluctuating first semi-final. Dittering Mount Beauty led by over 40 points at one stage in the final term before Mitter came back and got within seven points. Then the Bombers steadied with the last three goals. Coach Chuck Headley, delighted with no injuries from the contest, was a contented man and planning for the grand final was going very smooth until he took a phone call on Monday. Uh, Matthew Hay had uh, had a work mishap where he'd um, an oxycetylene uh, hose exploded. He, he got th- uh, third degree burns from his probably just below his uh, breast there, right down the side of his abdomen. He was in hospital, I think, for most of the first week. Uh, didn't train. So I, I obviously thought, well, he won't be able to play. So you know, you're thinking, uh, who, who do you bring in and things like that. But anyway, after talking to Matty, uh, he said he wanted to still play and um, he wanted to do a fitness test. So um, I gave him that opportunity. On the Thursday night, myself and Andrew Nichols 
about two o'clock on the Thursday Arvo gave him a, a probably a good hour and a half to two hour fitness test and probably on top of him being in hospital for probably oh, seven or eight days, not being able to train and do anything since the qualifying final, the fitness test really took its toll on him. Anyway, after the, he got through the fitness test, after that he went uh, went to one of the players' wives who was a nurse to get the, the wound um, re-bandaged. Re anyway, unbeknownst to me, we, I went back out. We went to Yak, we trained, picked the size and picked Robo, uh, Matthew Hay, in the team. And anyway, heading back to Wodonga after training on the Thursday night, this player's wife has rang me and said when she unwrapped Maddie's wound, he was sleeping. He oh. um, was, uh, was um, in shock. He was distressed, in a hell of a lot of pain. And uh, so once again, I'm thinking, oh, God, you now I've got a duty of care to this bloke. You know, what do I do? So I, I rang Matthew the next day, and he assures me that he was okay. Still a little bit concerned. So I, um, I rang his, um, his doctor, and I... Um, I sort of said, asked the doctor, I, I said, look, I don't want to know any details or any, you know, anything about his medical history or anything like that. I just need to know that he, if he, um, am I putting him in any danger by playing footy on Saturday? And uh, the doctor reassured me that if Matthew can put up with the, the pain and uh, he, he said that he won't be able to do any more damage, uh, he, he should be right to play. Their opponent would be Barnawatha after they eventually overpowered Delarang Mount Beauty in the preliminary final with a seven-goal third quarter after they trailed at half-time. Barnawatha also won the second preliminary final, meaning it would be Yakandanda versus Barnawatha in the 2000 Talangaran District Football League Grand Final in seniors and reserves. Both clubs were amid long premiership droughts with Yak's last flag being 1964 and Barnawatha, even longer, stretching back to 1956, ironically, the last time Australia hosted the Olympic Games. On a perfect final Saturday in autumn, a massive crowd rolled into the Sandy Creek Oval to watch what turned out to be one of the best Talangaran District Football League grand finals in many years, with Barnawatha taking up the early running against an inaccurate Yakandanda. Just one goal from seven scoring shots was a poor return as the Tigers booted seven goals too to take a 32-point lead into the quarter time. Both teams kicked two goals apiece by midway through the second quarter before Steve Ramage and then Josh Frawley goaled to stretch the Tigers' lead to 44 points. Two goals in time on from Justin Hansford and Dale Smith gave the Ruse supporters renewed hope and when the half-time siren sounded, Yakandanda had reduced the deficit to 31 points. Ruse coach Chuck Headley said despite being behind by five goals, they were still confident and calm with a half to play. We were lucky enough to kick two goals there just before half time. So I think we might have been 30 points down there at half time. And we, I called the boys in still on the ground there at uh, half time. And we watched the Barney boys walk off. Typical young folks, I suppose. That, that, you know, they're high five and they'll yahoo and, and they'll carry on. We thought, geez, they think they're all, they're over the line. So, and we're an uh, ageing group, and it's it reassuring, you know, to hear your blokes like Ross Hillary and Danny Humphreys and Rack Smith, Andrew Nichols, 
Steve, both Tom and Cool. Yeah, you know, we just reinforced you know, what we did through the whole year. You know, we we, yep. we spoke about doing the you know the extra session. We spoke about you know the all year. You know, history will show. We ran over the top of teams. You know, we the middle game, the first game of the year, we we're down at three quarter time. You know, we ran over the top of them. the Dettering Man Beauty game at Dettering. Three minutes to go, we're three goals down, and uh, we ended up uh, winning the game. Um, I think the last game of the year against Barnwell, they were up against us at three quarter time, and they were able to run over the top of them. So there was, there was things there reflect back on. And, you know, and we spoke about, you know, the, the closeness of the group that, you know, we, we met every Monday night, you know, we'd go for a run, we'd go for a swim, we'd go to the bear and have a few beers together, we'd have a feed. We knew the Barney boys wouldn't be doing that. So, and we, we, we just thought that Barney would go in there, that they'd try and protect that lead and we'd, 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 uh, we'd come out and we'd try and win, you know, uh, chip away at that lead. So, um, yeah, we had a pretty good mindset and, and I think that's where the experience could come into it, where probably the Barney boys might have got a little bit ahead of themselves and um, through, through our uh, closeness and our fitness, um, we were able to run over the top of them and you know, had a fantastic third quarter where I think we kicked nine goals. And once again, the only hiccup, <laughs> there's still a little bit of a hiccup there where I think Andrew Nichols, um, we hit the front and Andrew Nichols might have poked Richie Blunden on the nose. <laughs> And got got ten got ten minutes, and I think Barney kicked two or three quick goals then to put them put them up at three quarter time, and then I think which was a turning point for us. Last quarter started, and I think within a minute, Dave McKenzie um, kicked the goal while we're still one man down, and yep. then uh, I think yeah we uh, we went on and won the game. Yeah, you know, it shows there. I think in the last quarter we kicked four four seven. We really we really could have. Um, you know, taking Barney to the cleaners if we had a kick straight. A couple of crucial changes were made with Andrew Nichols moving on to the ball and Kurt Schubert into the ruck against Tigers Man Mountain, Josh Frawley. The third quarter started with both teams trading a goal apiece before the Yakandana machine cut loose. In a devastating burst of 13 minutes, they slammed on seven goals to hit the front with Ross Hillary and Danny Humphreys both kicking three goals each for the quarter. Matt Hay, he'd shut down the dangerous Gordon Anderson, while Scott Fraser, Matt Taylor and Mac Nixon shored up the defence. David McKenzie, Simon Corr, Chuck Headley and Andrew Nichols ran right in the midfield and it was only the yellow carding of Nichols after a scrap with Tigers' Richie Blunden that allowed Barnawaffa back into the game with two late goals to grab the lead at three-quarter time by just two points. Ross Hillary got the lead back for Yakandanda with an early goal that was quickly answered by the Tigers, who regained the lead. Andrew Nichols returned from his sin bin stint, and this lifted the ruse as Sam Selwood and then Hillary, with his sixth goal, extended the lead to 14 points. Inaccuracy in front of goal by the ruse, four goals, eight for the quarter, and then another skirmish and ensuring confusion involving Scotty Fraser kept Barnawafra in the game, as Fraser explains. Yeah, well, there, there's no doubt that you know, Yak had no love for Barney and, and we just wanted to win that game regardless, you know, down by what we were at half-time. And Andy Nichols had uh, given Richie Blunden a bit of a touch-up and got sent off. And then, um, yeah, late, we, we got to 24 points up and the ball was heading out of bounds over the 
the the gate side at Sandy Creek there, and I bent over to pick it up, and uh, Craig Edwards give me give me a little a little one on the end of the nose, and I uh, I thought well, we're not going to lose the game from here, so I just got up and remonstrated as they say, and then uh, <laughs> then then the fight ensued. I think Barney kicked the goal while it was happening, but uh, yeah, I had a little bit of blood coming out the nose, and Chuck had uh, Richie Blunt and had his jumper pulled over his head and given him a few, and it was it was pretty good. And then I got sent off for the blood rule, but the bench thought that I'd been sent off for starting the fight, so I was on the bench getting my getting my nose dried up and um, after a couple of minutes so I said oh, I'll get a rub down and go back on and the bench said no you can't go back on you got 10 minutes to serve or whatever it was back then I said no, I was only off for the blood rule so in that last three or four minutes of the game that I was off Barney kicked another goal we ended up winning by 10 points but um, we were playing with one man short. Selwood sealed the premiership with a long-range goal to send the Ruse supporters and players into a party mode as the 36-year drought ended when the siren bellowed out across the Sandy Creek ground. David McKenzie was awarded the Wayne Bartell medal for best on ground, while Ross Hillary, in his last game at the age of 41, finished with six goals and Danny Humphreys four, as Yak and Dander won an epic encounter, 17 goals 19 to 17 goals 9. Hillary and Mackenzie both reflect on the moment the siren sounded. Yeah, it was fantastic, Rob, um, for the amount of times that I'd been out to Sandy Creek and and failed at the uh, the ultimate time uh, was cheesing me off big time, and to actually win one with Yak was fantastic. Well, yeah, the whole town, you know, got behind the uh, the team, and and to see the uh, the tried and true supporters after the game to catch up with him um yeah, it was was great back i was on the back flank when it all happened and i'm walking in towards the center and i'm actually just absorbing it all this time and it just wasn't i realized it wasn't just about the footy club netball club it was about the the community of yakandanda itself when it actually went off you could just just relief for, for for the players because we we're 45 points down to a win but our major sponsor at halftime went home in disgust. The community was the um, was the, the real winner at the end of the day. The day started brilliantly for Yak and Dander when the seconds comfortably beat Barnawaffa by 35 points and the B-grade netball taking out its grand final. Captain Simon Corr said it was just a feeling of pure relief. You know, give them a bit of a horrendous situation at halftime. We went in, I guess, as favourites with the minor premiers and we were carrying a lot of pressure. Uh, for a long time since I was at Yak, we, we had strong sides. We made many preliminary finals but failed to get to the, the next stage. And outsiders were saying, look, I, don't, I reckon they've got a culture there that's not good enough. We were, we were close mates. In fact, we were really close. We used to like getting on the drink a bit too much. And I think a lot of people thought we, we were a bit soft and we didn't have that competitive edge. And uh, look, credit to some of the players that came along and our professionalism that year, but it was really satisfying to be able to prove a lot of doubters wrong. Scott Fraser said he had no doubt the change of training methods after the mid-season loss to Mitter made a huge difference to Yak finishing the game so strongly. We lost the second game of the year I think around about the halfway mark and it was only two games we lost for the year and Chuck decided to hire out the equestrian centre in Wodonga so we trained an extra night under the roof on the on the sawdust in there and I think that's what happened in that second part of the year that we were just so much fitter and ready to get ready to go on that day that when we were 31 points down at half time 
Rabani were high-fiving each other and starting to print their shirts, and the Yak boys were just going, oh, well, we'll, we'll peg them back in this quarter and run over them in the last. And that's what history states, nine goals to three in the third quarter and then and then run over the top. And it, was, um, it was never in our minds that it wasn't going to um, wasn't going to be a close game that we were going to we were going to come back as expected the party lasted for well over a week and amongst many funny happenings and shenanigans Ross Hillary tells a couple of great stories well at some stage during Sunday morning we ended up at Denny Humphrey's house and he's got a big shed up the back of his place and all of a sudden uh, a tee turned up and a golf ball and a five iron and Scooter actually suggested, I bet you can't hit one out of my mouth with the, the tee teed up in my mouth out of open window, out of Denny's shed. And uh, I think I'd only had 45 beers at that stage and thinking, uh, yeah, no, everything was fine. I could do that. And the boys were egging us on. So I've lined up the first time. Scooter got the jitters a bit and the ball rolled off the tee. I told him he had to harden up and uh, the second time we teed it up, I uh, thankfully didn't take a divot and smacked it out of the out of the window. It, it wasn't a chip either, I can tell you. I gave it a crack and thank God, thinking back on it, I didn't take a divot. I hit it clean and out the window it went and sailed down the hill. So to my relief and more so Scooter's, uh, it all come off pretty well. The following Wednesday, we were at the terminus in Albury, and it was about five o'clock in the afternoon. And Caroline came to pick me up to uh, drive me home because uh, thinking that I'd had enough by that stage. And somehow I'd ended up with the uh, Premiership Cup. And as we were driving out of the uh, the Termo car park, I remembered that uh, Wednesday afternoons. The brothers and I play tennis down at East Aubrey's and yep, sure enough, there were the cars and there's a sort of change room that blocks off a lot of the, the tennis court. So uh, from where I sat in the car, yeah, I could see the four boys playing. So me being me, stripped off all the gear, <clears throat> grabbed the Premiership Cup, jumped out of the car, bolted out around this change room and as I tore around the change room to... Uh, running onto the court. The very next door court had four old women playing uh, there. And I was past the point of no return. I'd, uh, I'd gone too far, so I thought, bugger this, I might as well keep going. I'd hear them cackling in the background. So I run over, jumped the net, run past uh, the brother Dale. He's cracked me on the ass with the tennis racket. Run back, jumped the net on the way back, tripped on the uh, on the net as I've gone over it. Uh, uh, dropped the cup, it's gone mighty spinning across the court. So uh, I've bowled it straight out because the old girls were by this stage, you know, piddling their pants watching me. Jumped in the car and we've taken off. So the, uh, the cup was handed back a couple of days later by the brothers. The final word, though, is left to a couple of Yakandanda legends the only players to have played over 200 senior games, Scott Fraser and Simon Corr. Butcher Dale was just, uh, he was, I, I uh, did the part of the eulogy for Bomber Brown's funeral and um, I'd started off at, you know, um, way back when I, I drove down that hill, not into a footy club, but into a family. And, and those two blokes were basically at the top of that 
and that family because, you know, come hell or high water, those two blokes put a lot together. There were people that came before them and previous presidents and committees that they built up to what we got. But, um, you know, there wasn't a blade of grass on that yak ground that Bob Brown didn't uh, kneel down on and, and wait and to deliver the water to someone or give him a rub or get a cramp out and that sort of thing. It was, um, you know, so much was for their happiness, not just us as footballers. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of women in the background as well. Um, our Margaret Mush Campbell and uh, Jenny Dale as well. And I, I'm probably going to offend a lot of people by not naming everyone, but it was a real result for the town and a lot, a lot of hard work. A pleasure to be a part of, um, simply for the fact that the town um, just, just deserved it so much. Uh, lasting memory for me from that premiership win, Big Mac, is Bomber, we all got back in the in the rooms and he got in the middle of the huddle and he ripped his shirt off like the Incredible Hulk and he got the fist pumping and he led us in that team song and he got absolutely drenched with beer. But it was just a special moment for him and it was just really nice to be able to award him and so many volunteers with success. The Yakandanda 2000 Premiership side. From the back line, Matt Taylor, Andrew Nichols, Mason Taylor. Half back line, Sean Barker, Scott Fraser, Matt Hay, centreline, Justin Hansford, Simon Corr, Damian Cassidy. Half forwards, Dan Humphrey, Matt Nixon, Dale Smith. The forward line, Marcus Dowling, Ross Hillary, Sam Selwood. The rucks, Kurt Schubert, Ross Headley and David McKenzie. Interchange, Troy Megson, Athel Hughes and Mark Sambi. What an incredible year for Yakandanda, and what a way to break a 36-year premiership drought with an epic come-from-behind win. Hopefully you enjoyed this story and this episode of Glory Days. A big thank you to our sponsors, Gillies Steel Supplies, Sheds and Homes Aubrey Wodonga, Camper Trailers Aubrey Wodonga, DJ Mowing and Maintenance, and the past players of the Yakandanda Football Club who have made this Glory Days episode possible. Don't forget to subscribe to Glory Days to ensure you don't miss an episode Stay safe and thanks for listening.